creating an empty room to get those recorded and slap them right in the face by doing it. Uh, is it working now? Okay. So it's already going. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And then if you want to put a finger over in John chapter 50, 15, not 50, 15. Um, we'll be there a little bit later. Today is week four in our current series titled The Kingdom in Us. It's based off the scripture in Romans 14, 17 that says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it is a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And through this series, we've been talking about the kingdom is like, the kingdom is righteousness, the kingdom is peace, the kingdom is joy, and the kingdom in us. You see, in Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, it says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come by your careful observation, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. You see, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, Here's the message I want you to preach. The kingdom is... Here, now heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out. The kingdom is here. Wherever you go, remember to say the kingdom is here. Why? Because we are kingdom carriers. We carry the kingdom of God wherever we go. The first week we focused on the illustrations Jesus used to describe the kingdom is like, based in Matthew 13. And again, I want to apologize that that recording isn't up right now just because of technical difficulties. But if you call the office or go cornerstonebeulah.com, I'll email you my notes if you want to jump into that right away. But we might have to um, do a special recording for that one so that we can get it up with the series. But what he did is he said that there's an extremely important point. You must not just hear the message, you must understand the message. It's not just enough to hear about the kingdom, you need to understand the kingdom. And the word he was using to describe understand and in the illustration he uses was not just a knowledge, but it was an application of. Don't just hear it, don't just even receive it, apply it. It's like going to the doctor, him diagnosing you, giving you a prescription, and then what? You going home and setting it on the counter? No, apply it. You know? That's the same thing. Jesus was trying to teach him the kingdom of heaven is like. But then he uses illustrations and he says, you know, it's not enough. You must understand it in such a way that it not only gets here in your heart, here in your mind, but smear it all over and work it through your entire life. 
The second week we focused on the kingdom is righteousness. We talked about what is righteousness, why you want righteousness, and how to walk in righteousness. The key point being that righteousness is not just a belief or a virtue of the heart alone. It must be seen in your actions. It's inside and outside. It's faith and deeds. Righteousness is not all about your holiness and looking good, but it's in, on, and out. <laughs> it's all of those. It's being right before God, it's being right with God, and it's being right as God to the world. It's righteousness. Last week we talked about the kingdom is peace. We talked about that peace is a gift. Jesus says, my peace I give you. It's a gift. We talked about peace as the atmosphere of heaven and how to um, sow that peace. And you, when you sow in peace, you raise a harvest of righteousness and you create this ecosystem, if it will, of his atmosphere wherever you go. Peace, peace, peace. And even talked about releasing peace. That is part of uh, the kingdom to release the kingdom. You, you notice that everything about God is not just selfishness. It's not for you to just hold on to yourself, to suck the bottle as it will yourself and feed just yourself. It's for you to get to give everything. He says it's about love, so give love. It's about you know forgiveness, so give forgiveness. It's about mercy, so give mercy. He said it's about peace, so give peace. It must be released. And then we talked about peace as your guard, that it's peace is the armor that you wear on the inside. And we talked about how to uh, put that on. You must know how to put on that armor. And it, that's at Philippians 4.4. 4. So today we're going to talk about the kingdom is joy. The kingdom is joy. In Isaiah 61, starting at verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of a splendor. Let me put a pause right here a second. The first week we were talking about um, sowing and reaping. We were talking about the kingdom is like. Do you remember us talking about anything like uh, a great tree? He said that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. When it is planted, when it is taken in, when it's put in the ground, when it's applied, it becomes a great 
humongous tree. Isn't it funny that it's talking about the same tree? The kingdom of heaven. He's saying right here, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Talked about when we read that in Matthew, I believe it was chapter 13, that, that kingdom is like, that it was talking about when we plant, that when we take that kingdom into us, the kingdom of heaven in us, understand it and apply it, we become this humongous tree that others can come and feed upon. All right, jump down to verse seven. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting joy will be theirs. The kingdom of God is joy, but it's not just a feeling of once in a while. It's an everlasting joy. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, what did they proclaim? I bring you good news of great joy for all the world. Good news of great joy. Jesus quotes Isaiah 61 in Luke 4. He says, the spirit of the Lord is now on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. He talked about proclaiming the freedom, releasing the oppressed, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And again, when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, go and preach the good news, the kingdom of God. God is here. You know, out of all the matters that the kingdom of God is like, you know, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy, right? In the Holy Spirit. Out of all the matters, joy seems to be the least important. Right? Yet can any one of us imagine heaven without joy? No. Cardiologist Dr. Cynthia Fake wrote an article in the Huff Post on the effects of joy in relationship to our bodies. Research shows that joyful people have less chance of having a heart attack, healthier blood pressure, lower cholesterol, weight management, and decreased stress levels. The Health Line reports, on a scientific level, we feel joy in our neurotransmitters, which are these tiny chemical messenger cells that transmit signals between neurons or nerves and other bodily cells. Those neuron transmitters are responsible for processes 
and feelings in almost every aspect of the body, from blood flow to digestion. Benefits of feeling more joy include, it supports longevity, promotes a healthier lifestyle, boosts your immune system, and fights stress and pain. <laughs> I don't believe it's some random accident that joy is so extremely important to your physical body. You know, God orchestrated our physical bodies to be a, a representation of his body, the church. So I don't think it's any accident that God created our body to need joy in such a way that it keeps us healthy, increases the length of our life, fights against any attack in our immune system. You, You think about, you know somebody who's constantly getting sick over this or this or this? It, write them a prescription. Joy. <laughs> laugh. You know? Let belly laugh it out. I, I heard somebody um, the other day says, well, I, I know. Just fake it till I make it. I said, sometimes you have to. You know, sometimes you have to start out laughing in the worst place that you feel like you've ever been. Until what? Until it just overtakes you. Because joy, the joy, the righteousness, peace, and joy, the joy of the kingdom is not a happiness that it is produced from your situations. Um, David Wilkerson, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but David Wilkerson wrote this amazing or preached this amazing message and I'm going to get the title wrong, but it, it says, um, right song, wrong side. And he talked in his message about how Israel was coming out of Egypt. Why? Because God led them out of bondage, out of slavery. They come up to the Red Sea. And God says, don't worry, I still got you, right? I'm the one that delivered you. I still got you. You're going through here. I'm taking you to the promised land. Didn't say I'm taking you to your death, right? He said, I'm taking you. So when they came up and they're all like, oh, you know, huge. What are we going to do? The enemy's coming. They should have rejoiced then on that side of the water. But instead, they had to see God deliver them, take them through, and totally, you know, crush all their enemy in the water. And then they rejoiced. Right song, wrong side. It doesn't matter our circumstances. The joy of the kingdom, if you want to say it that way, of the kingdom of God is in who he is and not what's happening to us. It's in him. So I'm joyful not because I feel like it, not because I feel joyful. It's because of who he is, who I am, who uh, I am now, you know, dead, gone, 
new, all things new. He's made me to set with Christ in heavenly places far above all the problems. Yes. Again, I think I said it last week that if you're constantly down here throwing your requests up to God to come down, don't you see what I'm going through? God, don't you care? If you're a Christian, you're on the wrong side of your problem. You're not made to be in the pits of your problem. He pulled you up from the pit and made you to set in heavenly places with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. So you have to, and I have to constantly picture myself seated there because, I mean, that muck of life can suck you in. You know, and it's constantly trying to pull at your ankles and pull you back in. And I have to remind myself, I'm not there. I'm here. And Jesus sits at the right hand of God. And God said he made me to sit with Christ. So I sit at the right hand of Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God, you know, and he's ever interceding for me. And he put the Holy Spirit in me, who is ever interceding for me. And I, no, I might not be got this but god's got this you know i just have i mean i'm not crying out don't you care yeah that's why he came and died that's why he seated me here and he says now you stand up i put the power in your mouth now you go and speak to that mountain but it's all listen Again, I feel like I'm doing, uh, this is where we're going, okay? So I'm telling you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'll tell you what I'm telling you, and then I'll tell you what I told you before we wrap up, okay? But joy brings the blessing. Again, it's only six more Fridays till Christmas. In case you didn't know that, so I will constantly use Christmas as an example. But if your child brings their their list to you of some ideas for Christmas, I know you don't want to get this for me, and I know I probably asked for too much, or you know, and I don't want, and I know you don't, and here it is. But if you don't get me nothing, that's okay. I mean, look, Brian, where did we put that lump of coal? Yeah. <laughs> That's all they think they're getting. Don't want to disappoint them, right? But if they come joyfully, you know, hey, here it is, and I put a hundred things on your list, I know you don't have to get, but if you want to, that's okay. You'd be like, oh, yeah, maybe I do want to. But joy brings the blessing of God. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Turn with me over in John 15. In John 15, Jesus makes a statement a lot like what we read last week. That peace is a gift because Jesus said, it's my peace I give you. So you don't have to try to muster up within yourself the peace in which usually our worldly idea of peace is get rid of all chaos. It usually means no kids around, right? No. Yes. Nobody else 
You know, I am a very peaceful person all by myself. You know? But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You need to have the peace, my peace, and that you can have in the middle of any storm. Doesn't matter where you are, how many people are pulling on you. Could you imagine Jesus in those days? You ever, let's just be honest for one second. Please don't raise your hand or don't elbow your spouse. You ever get frustrated with people? It's like, are we seriously dealing with this same thing? Really? And then you're like, you know, I about had it, Lord. You're just going to have to, I don't know, pluck me up like you did Philip and take me somewhere else, <laughs> you know, or, or put them up, take them somewhere else, you know, whatever it is, Lord. But imagine Jesus, how many people he had around him all the time. And yet he said in the middle of it all, you can still have peace because I'm going to give you my peace. And if his peace can keep him in the middle of the multitudes that have followed him for so long, they're so hungry, don't you? I mean, I'm sorry, I would have been one there. Didn't anybody think you might want to bring something to eat? You know? What do you mean you brought your family out here? Where's your food? You know? What was you thinking, right? Come on, every mama's thinking that, right? But he said, in the midst of all that, you can have peace. And he says the same thing in John 15. Eh, about the same thing. Let me say it that way. Starting in verse 5, he says, I am the vine. This is red letters. This is Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Pause just a second again. Sounds like we're talking about another tree. <laughs> just saying. Uh, remains in me and I, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Uh, pause again. Sure sounds an awful lot like Isaiah 61. The Oaks of Righteousness the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, the kingdom of heaven taken in like a smallest seed, creating this great big huge tree that bears much fruit. Just let that one sink in. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Verse 11, here it is. Jesus saying, I have told you this. Told you what? How to remain in me, how to keep my words in you, that if you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love because he wants you, God wants you to bear much fruit 
I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, we just have a fraction of joy and it looks an awful lot like happiness, which is up or down, here or there, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, depending on our circumstances. It's incomplete joy. He says, but if you're in me, my words are in you. If you remain in me, I'm in you. Remember Jesus' prayer there, you in me, me and you, you and we are all three, all here. Where? His kingdom, right here. Kingdom carriers. Then my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Now you've got the joy of the kingdom inside you. Why? Because he's in you. You have his peace. Why? Because he's in you. His peace is in you because he's in you. But there's a lot of ifs. You do this, I'll do this. You do this, I'll do this. But it always starts with an if. You do this, I'll do this. And the big things he's talking about right here is if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Don't worry, you'll remain in my love if you obey my commands. Then your joy will be complete because I'm in you. See, I was woke up Saturday morning with a word going over and over and over in my head, believer, 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 believer. And I mean, I kept seeing this word and it was like circling in my head, believer, believer. And I even woke up enough to think, what does that have to do with my message? You know, Lord, are you trying to believe her? And then the, the word broke apart and stood straight up, B-L-I-V and E-R, B-E-L-I-V-E-R. B, we're called believers, are we not? Well, we're supposed to be believers. Amen. B, what's he telling us? Be in him, in him, be in him. Live, what? Live as him. Sounds an awful lot like the week before and the week before that, right? And then I had to look up the, the suffix E-R, it's a, let me get it right here. It's a designation, designating a person by their occupation. It's designating a person by their occupation. So it's a, continually who you are. Be in him, live as him, and continually let that be who you are. Believer. Be found in him. Live as him. And continually let that be who you are. Believer. Abide in me. He says, if you abide in me, my words remain in you. If you do what I command, well, number one, ask whatever you want. But he says, now your joy is going to be complete. 
And I'm going to show you that's one of the ways that your joy is complete is through answered prayers. Let, let me just, okay. Joy is not something that happens on occasion. Got to get that. It's not happiness, it's joy. It's not something that just happens on occasion. It is heaven. Joy is the kingdom. And it should be in you continually who you are. I got this picture in pre-service prayer that if you are constantly feeling, I don't want to even say constantly, if, if, if you feel like your Christian life keeps hitting this roller coaster ride up and down and up, and I love roller coasters. Let me tell you, I love roller coasters. Because I love, but I don't like my life to be a roller coaster. I don't like that. God knew that. He gave me a daughter right at the start. And with all those emotions wrapped up in little girls, um, he blessed me with the, I don't want to say something mean, but the freedom of unhindered emotions with five boys afterward. <laughs> they went, oh, the world hates me. Yay, everybody loves me. You know, that girls, you know, and she's now 30 some years old. She'd kill me that I said that out loud, but um, she can still be a basket full of emotions. But if you're constantly doing this in your Christian walk, it's because you haven't stopped and plugged into the kingdom. Because just like you walking over and see, I've got naturally curly hair, and that used to, I used to get picked on constantly growing up in our family. And my uncle, he'd come over and start picking, boing, 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 pick all my curls. Now I do all I can to straighten the crap right out of the front here, and then we'll just let that go. But they used to, uh, what did you do? Did you let your daughter stick her tongue in that light socket? Was she playing around? Did you give her a fork and go over there and, you know, because it was, you know, it was, you know, it was like, mm. anyway. But that's exactly it. If you walk over and you stick your finger, in that light socket, you're going to feel that go throughout your body, right? And what happens when you, because growing up, we had an electric fence to keep the, the horses and the little bulls in. And um, I loved it when I could get neighborhood kids to come over and I'd be, I'd just kind of grab a hold of their arm and mm, I'd grab a hold of that fence and they'd go, you know, because what? It goes right through you, right to them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Painful. Painful. Not really to you. I mean, you felt it a little bit, but, you know, they were the ground and they were the ones that got it. But the same thing, joy is not something that, you, you know, is based on your circumstances. It is exactly like plugging into the extreme power, uh, the resources, all the fullness of God in you, it doesn't go away, and actually, it supercharges everyone you touch. Yeah. Let me break down the word uh, joy for you. Joy means the emotion of great delight, the pros and the prospect of possessing what one desires. Joy is the emotion of great delight and the prospect of possessing what one desires. 
is the physical manifestation of the hope that we have inside of us. Remember I talked to you before about hope and how I can see that in, you know, Aubrey, she still does that, my granddaughter, because she does that whole, <gasps> she knows something really good is about ready to happen. Well, that's joy being expressed. That's her hope being expressed in joy. You can see that on the outside of what she's feeling on the inside. Hope is on the inside and it anchors our faith and it gives us something to hold on to. But then it should supercharge our bodies and, and just like sticking our finger in a light socket that has to be expressed. Yes. Joyful means you're full of that. <laughs> Rejoice. The prefix re and the root word being joy is joy, that extreme emotion of great delight with the prospect of possessing what one desires is not just a one time. Rejoice means and do it again. <gasps> and do it again. <gasps> and do it again. <gasps> Rejoice. Then he went so far as to put a rejoicing. The suffix ing means continually hit. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. So you're, it just is nonstop. What is that? What was he explaining? Everlasting joy will be theirs. Everlasting, it's unstoppable joy. When you've plugged into the kingdom of heaven's joy, and not just earthly happiness, it's unending, a perpetual You know, and you'd look like a fool if you walked around like that, let me just say. Joy without knowledge is about as absurd as zeal without knowledge. And I think it's the book of Proverbs talks about that zeal without knowledge is fools. Because I know whose I am. Because I know where I'm seated. Because I know what I carry. Him and me, me and him, kingdom carriers. Now I've got joy unending. You know, and sometimes, yeah, you might walk around with, ah! because it just shocks you again. But it's because you have knowledge. Joy with knowledge. Joy with understanding. Joy applied. So we don't have the breakthrough yet, but we can celebrate it's on the way. We don't see the physical blessing, but we can rejoice that we are blessed and the evidence is coming. And when the answer comes, that hoped for prayer, then your joy is made complete. You see, one person living in complete joy is amazing. But a whole body of believers living the kingdom of God joy, well, that's just a fulfillment to Jesus' prayer. The kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. That's what 
Benzie County is waiting to see. Amen. This pious facade of false humility is the devil's mask. When you need to go on for 20 minutes about what a horrible, unworthy person you are and you know, I'm just a worm, and God, if you just throw me a scrap now and then, I'll be okay. Won't change anyone's life. Amen. And you're being lied to. Because I know as a mom, I don't glory in one of my kids coming to me and explaining how miserable, rotten, wretched, evil sinner they are. But I do delight and bring the blessing of, and it encourages the blessing of when I hear them stand in righteousness, in right standing with who they are, whose they are, and what they're called to do. Now we're going somewhere. I told you the joy of the Lord comes before the blessing. Joy prepares for the breakthrough, and joy can be made complete. Real quickly, let me just remind you, joy comes before the blessing. When King David saw that the Ark of the Covenant was at Obadiah's house, I believe his name was, that Obadiah's whole household was being blessed because the Ark of the Covenant was in there, David's like, hey, I'm king, that's supposed to be mine supposed to be here and he went after it to get it it's rightfully his um things didn't end well for him that first time <coughs> he tried to just go take what belonged to him and bring it back and, and that wasn't good <coughs> when he sought the lord he went in with rejoicing he went before the blessing rejoicing in such a way, I won't get into the details of it, but that everybody took notice of it. Um, and it was in such a rejoicing way, and he's seeing that the blessing of the Lord now is coming. The ark of the Lord now is coming. It's following this rejoicing. And he did it so extravagantly, and he was like, you know, top of the mountain gets it into the city. And it, the Bible says that he actually then turned and went home to bless his house. Rejoicing came before the blessing. The blessing then he was going to release to his house. And yet when he got home, and you know the story, if you don't, quickly, the story is his wife was there, saw what he was doing. You're looking like a fool out there. <laughs> you know, doing all that. What are you doing looking like that? And the word actually says that he withheld his blessing. And from that day forward, she went the rest of her life barren because he withheld the blessing. He was going to come home and release the blessing. That what came upon him when he went forth Amen. in rejoicing. Joy prepares for the breakthrough. Uh, Isaiah 54, right before what we were reading in 61, it says, Rejoice, O barren one. 
because you're about ready to have more kids than the woman who is having kids. Prepare the nursery. He said, enlarge your tents, stretch out your borders. What? Prepare for the breakthrough. Joy prepares for the breakthrough. And then joy made complete. Again, John 16, 24. Well, I didn't read you that one, but just like John 15, he says it again. Jesus says, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Your joy is made complete. What? And answered prayers. But see, joy can't be made complete if it was never started in the first place. Again, you know, don't be singing the right song on the wrong side of the seat. They needed to start singing before they seen the breakthrough to bring the blessing they're seeing the breakthrough, and now on the other side, they're still singing. Now their joy is made complete because of the answer to the prayer. But if you only rejoice when you see with your eyes, I'll believe it when I see it, or I'll rejoice when I have it. You know, I'm, I'm praying for checks in the mail, but I'm not going to get excited about it until I have the check in my hand. You need to start rejoicing now. It brings forth the blessing of God. Rejoicing brings forth the blessing. It prepared, prepares for the breakthrough and is made complete. Listen, joy in the kingdom comes through answers to prayer. So stop praying prayers that God has already answered. Amen. Don't pray, God, if it's your will to heal me. That's stupid. And I can say that because I've read that word stupid a lot in the Bible lately. So it's like biblical language. Sorry. Um, no, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Um, pray, God, if it's your will to heal me. Come on. Let's just blow some of these little lies right out of the water. Is it the Lord's will to heal you? Yes. Is it the Lord's will that all would be healed? Yes. Yes. So why would you pray, Lord, if it's your will, heal me or heal them? That's, I don't even know a nice word to say. That's just offensive. Wouldn't that be offensive to God? It'd be like a child coming up to a parent. Well, if it's your will to feed me tonight, I'm starting to feel hungry. Tell you what you're going to feel, right? Tell me if it's my will to feed you, you know? What is that? Who's been feeding you for the last 18 years, you know? Did you ever miss a meal, you know? Did I not prepare everything for you, provide everything for you? If it's the Lord's will. So to pray prayers that he's already answered is... For one thing, it's ignorance. Let's just put it that way instead of saying that other mean word. It's a lack of knowledge. You just don't understand or you're being duped into thinking something that's not true. Um, but it also creates it, its uh, form without power, which is um, dry religion. Right. It, it's empty religion. When you are praying prayers that God's already answered, you're going through all the motions 
but there's not going to be any power there because why he's already answered that Answered prayers is what turns your season of joy into that rejoicing, that continually keep doing it, don't stop, keep doing it, don't stop, keep doing it, don't stop. Why? Because it just, it happens. Because I'm either rejoicing or having joy knowing I'm leading the blessing, I'm here comes the blessing. Oh, here comes the blessing. Oh, here comes the blessing. And the blessing's starting to come. So I'm preparing the way. Watch out. Here comes the blessing. Here comes the blessing. Here comes. And then the answer's there. Now I'm excited because it's come. It's answered. And then he says, hey, rewind. Do it again. Don't just one prayer, one blessing, one breakthrough. Do it again. Do it again. All God's promises are yes, and we say the big, amen, so be it. We are the ones that say, so be it. God, you said you'll do ABC. Do it. And I'm going to start rejoicing now because you are a God who cannot lie. Your word says that you're faithful to all your promises. So you're going to do it. The tree from Matthew 13 to Isaiah 61 to what we just read in John 15 are all about having what? Lots of fruit. Why? So the whole world can feed, so people can come. He wants to make you a blessing so you can be a blessing to other people. Why? For the display of his splendor, the display. He wants you to be known as his disciple and he doesn't want, oh, me, I'm just making it through. How is that displaying his splendor? Yeah. So people tell me, well, I don't know if I'm asking too much. But trust God. Ask big and trust him. How he's going to deliver that. If you've got a broken down beater car that has no heat and it's getting cold in there and I have to take the ice scraper on the inside just as much as the outside, I don't know. I just should be happy for what I have. Yes, and ask. Because how is that displaying his splendor? You'll be like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say, will you pray for me? I have a. I need a, a new car because blah, blah, blah is happening. And I look out. Uh, wait a minute. Is that your car out there? I don't want you to pray for me. <laughs> yeah, I'll have you pray for me. You know? Okay. That's too earthly. I know. Okay. I'm wrapping up right now. Again, one person living in this complete joy is amazing. But a whole body of believers, believers living in complete joy is what Jesus prayed for. Kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. This church is our prayer to be marked in such a way to be this grand oak tree of righteousness of all the body plugged in the display of his glory. Why? To feed the multitudes. 
to heal the nations, to save those who are lost and dying. Jesus surrendered and sacrificed his sinless life for the sin of the world to redeem a world doomed to hell, opened the way to stand before God completely forgiven and invited us to be co-heirs with Christ of the kingdom of heaven. That is the joy. It's called the triumph of the cross. The joy, this whole way, everything that he says is ours in the kingdom is made possible through the triumph of the cross. And today is communion Sunday, the first Sunday of every month we take time. That does not mean that that's the only time you can take communion. You know you can take communion at home every day. Soberly, reverently, understanding, and I'll make a couple things clear here, but it's that communion is the common union with God. That atonement is an at-one-ment, at-oneness with God. All Jesus died, the, all the things purchased at the cross are now ours. And a time of communion is to celebrate all that he triumphed over, all that was purchased for us. That's why Jesus said, remember, remember that. Don't remember the agony. Yes, sometimes we do need to remember. We were talking about that Wednesday. Sometimes we need to. I think it, it's, a, it's a common balance between remembering all that it cost him, but don't forget it's all about what's purchased for us. See, when we, he told us to go lay hands on people to go heal the sick, we're like, oh, that's too easy. Going to the cross was not easy. That's right. Your application of what the cross purchased is easy, yes. But don't forget, it wasn't easy for him. But that shouldn't be a once a month thing. That should be a daily, minute, or hour, or whatever. Should remember. You should remember it, and not in a, oh, I'm a worm, I'm horrible, but a thank you. It should be a triumphant, you know, rejoicing of what was purchased. Right? His invitation to us has come. Our response is not just to believe all the things that was purchased, not just to know, but to understand, to take them in and apply it to our life. Common union with him. God, I give you all I have, all my brokenness, all my chaos, all my bleh. And now merge that through the cross, merge that with you. All of me and all of you. All of me and all of you. He said, I want, Jesus, remember, in the garden, said, I want my prayers for all believers that I would be in them. They would be in me. God would be in them. They would be in God. Holy Spirit, in them. We in, that we would be 
in God. God would be in us. Common union. And it needs to be a celebration, a sober celebration. Let me put it that way, because again, I don't want you to forget, because that's what happened in, um, I think it's in Corinth, where Paul had to address the church years later. Hey, um, your communion time has turned into one big love feast. And people are coming and pushing by and getting to the table and just grabbing the bread and drinking the wine and going off and, and forgetting what it's about. Well, see, if it was just a memorial service that everybody was coming in, you know, oh, 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 you know, and taking it and sober, and, you know, that would never have progressed to that love feast. But see, the early church knew about this huge uh, triumph in the cross. And it paid, yes, he paid for it, and it cost him so much. But the application of it is so inviting and so free. It's for all that we get to walk in the triumph of the cross every day. And that's the joyful expectation that these early believers came to the communion table with. And so I'm going to read. There was a, when I went through some of my classes, Berean classes, uh, Jack Hayford wrote a book worship his majesty and it was all about worship in the church and worship as a lifestyle and worship 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 but at the end of the book he did the last few chapters on communion and the worship that should take place even during communion and i want to read this as uh, ushers would you come up and take your places here and here um, what we're going to do is after i get done reading this we're going to come up we're going to take um, our little bread and our little juice and we're going to stay up at the altar because we're going to take time to apply to apply to our lives what's been purchased but let me read this to you uh, again Jack Hayford wrote I propose that the early church celebrated communion as a positive pointed reverently rejoicing power filled celebration of the cross he goes on to urge the church today to restore our focus at communion. He says, I submit that biblical evidence reveals reveals that Jesus's remember me statement calls for victorious, regular remembrance focused on the accomplishment accomplishments of the cross. I propose that Paul, in directing us to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, meant the proclamation to be the same good news Jesus announced. In his own ministry, Calvary has obtained and accentuated the ongoing availability of this message of hope and promise. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, heal, to proclaim freedom, to release captives. Isn't it more likely that if Jesus were to preside this Sunday over communion, he would say, 
while you're partaking, I want you to remember what I've secured for you. I want you to enjoy every benefit of forgiveness, to receive every provision of victory, to enter into freedom from every point of bondage and partake of my healing power. Of course, he doesn't want us to forget. Of course, he would say, remember. He suffered death to make it all possible. And communion is his way of keeping the provisions of Calvary constantly before us. Our great shepherd has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And he invites us to it in order to anoint our heads with the oil that our cup of rejoicing would continue to overflow. True worship can fill our time of communion by our employing the observance as an opportunity to apply the provisions of Calvary and not simply remember them. The biblical word proclaim underscores a ministering of a memorial, not merely the observance thereof to apply it. A mood of expectancy should fill the church based on a clear-eyed focus on the meaning and achievement of his death. In our remembrance of his dying once for all, Christ has not called us to reenact his death, but to remember his triumph. It is finished was not a whimpered cry. It is the call from Calvary that echoes across the centuries, thundering down the corridors of hell and throughout the ramparts of heaven. Jesus is both Lord and conqueror. And each time we come to his table at communion, we need to remember that and allow faith to fill our hearts every time we come here every time we come to communion with every circumstance we face to apply that provision to our life. That's remembering. That's proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. See, if you're only praying for you to be healed or your relative to be healed, well, when they get to heaven, duh. (laughs) Right? Duh. But the provision is for now. The cross and the provisions of healing, deliverance, and freedom is for now. Your inheritance, your double portion is for now. It says in your land. Now. Why? For the display of his splendor. For the world to see. Because everybody's going to know once they stand before him in eternity. When is the provisions needed? Now. And this is what we remember. This is what we apply to our life. So what we're going to do is you're going to come up. I'm going to continue to give you instructions. 
but you're going to come, this section is going to come, take a piece of bread, take some juice, and stay up here at the altar listening to me. I'm going to keep giving you instructions until everybody's served. All right? So would you do that right now? that complete joy is knowing who he is who he is in you who you are in him the atonement Jesus the atonement for all sin and all of its effects sickness disease torment captivity all of it nothing left undone by his wounds you are healed sozo healed completely healed nothing left undone spiritually physically emotionally completely healed at one mint at oneness atonement again communion is a doing together a common union with jesus in jesus and as jesus in the world believer his part the atonement our part we set ourselves apart onto him and for him exchanging our life for his life but it's not a don't don't ever pray John's prayer John's prayer was a closing of the um, he, he was the last prophet am I saying that right he was a closing up because he was proclaiming Jesus coming so I hear Christians pray none of me and all of you God and that's just again that's just twisted he wants all of us and all of him or else Jesus would have made that very clear in his prayer in the garden right but he said no I want all of them and all of me and all of them and all of them and all of me like did he say that to a, a now I can't think was it Elijah that he put on like a glove I can't, I can't even remember who it was. In the Old Testament, it says that he put him on like a glove. That's what he wants to do with us. He wants to be so in us that he like, okay, that's common union. That's at oneness, atonement. So what we're going to do is we're going to take communion, but we're also going to apply communion at the same time. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, 
When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We are remembering all that was purchased with his body that was broken and bruised and beaten. Every stripe on his back was for every disease, every sickness, every illness. And he said, nobody took my life. I'm laying it down. Actually, if death entered the world through sin, and we, that, that's the way of sin, it leads to death, right? Gives birth to, it desires, is death. Jesus lived a sinless life. Death had no hold on him. Even on the cross, he had to give it up. He had to give up. He had to not give it, not give up. He had to give up his spirit to God because death couldn't even take him at the cross because he led a sinless life. All that his body represents, all that he took upon himself, we can now receive because of the atonement. And so what we're going to do, we're going to thank God for that body. And then you're going to reach out and you're going to lay a hand on somebody next to you. And you're going to say, receive that healing. Receive that healing. Receive that healing. And I want to keep it in a, don't make jokes at this time, okay? This is a celebration, but it's also an application of, and I want you to be very serious about that, okay? So, Father, we thank you right now. It said that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son to us. That it was because you loved us so much. You are love. And Jesus, you are love. And you willingly sacrificed. You said, here's my body prepared for me before the foundations of the world. As a spotless lamb, you offered yourself in our, or on our behalf, in place of us. You took the bruises, you took the, the lashes, you, you took the beating. You took the punishment for all sin, all sickness, and all of its effects. You left nothing undone on your body, and you nailed it to the cross. We thank you right now for your body, because it's by your body that we are healed completely now. Spirit emotions physically healed now in Jesus name thank you for the body let's take it together just apply that to your own life apply that to your own life completely healed completely healed completely healed right now body soul spirit completely healed And now as a body, lay your hand on somebody next to you and just say, receive that healing. Receive that healing. 
Make sure everybody gets touched. Receive that healing. 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 Completely healed. Completely healed. Completely healed. In the same way, the scripture says, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup represents this new covenant. In my blood, a new covenant, a better covenant. A new covenant in his blood for the remission, the cleansing of, the wiping away of all sins. Father, we thank you again for your love, for your provision. Jesus, for your willingness to go to the cross. And Holy Spirit, for your power to not abandon him to the grave, but to raise him up. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And we have now reconciliation with God. A right standing with God through this blood, through this new covenant. Mm, We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all the provisions of your blood all the provisions that your blood brings in our life, through our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for that. Let's take it together. And now do the same thing. Let's just thank him right now for forgiveness. Thank him right now for forgiveness. Thank him. Receive your forgiveness. Receive your forgiveness. Say that over somebody else. Lay a hand on them. Receive your forgiveness right now. We are commanded to extend forgiveness. Jesus told his disciples, if you don't forgive someone, I won't forgive them. I want you to extend forgiveness to somebody you're beside. Spouses, extend forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. Buckets full of mercy, Lord. Peace now. Jesus. And now can we just rejoice together? Can we just thank him right now?